When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. I guess you guys aren't ready for that yet. Welcome to this episode of MKT to the Future, a marketing futurism podcast. I'm joined by Zach Zercher, CEO of Gravity Space Marketing, David Hurst, CTO of Gravity, and Rich Askham, CMO of Gravity. So uh, welcome to the podcast, guys. I, uh, I introduced you as a space marketing company, and I think for some of the listeners that might sound crazy at a high level, can you tell them what that means and a little bit about each of your roles? Yeah, absolutely. So um, space marketing at a high level, uh, it kind of is, it's something that provides a medium where your brand's um, uh, marketing message and business development goals are just amplified through space. And, uh, that's because there are actually a lot of interesting things that we can do space for a marketing in space for marketing activation from, uh, uh using, uh, reentry devices to having a full blown space marketing campaign to, um, you know, 360, uh, imagery, and, um, so, in, you know, that would, that would tie into VR, AR, MR. I mean, there's, there's just a lot that we can really do up in space, but really the core point is that um, when you're up in space, there's a, um, uh, you know, there's, you're, you're really not competing with anybody else. So, whereas, uh, you know, with, uh, metaverse, the crowded uh, metaverse, you know, the average consumer will see 3,000 to five or 10,000 digital ads every single day. And that's according to uh, Forbes. So, you know, you're really competing with every single organization in the world and, you know, all the way to some grandma in their basement for, you know, this, the traditional means of communication now. So out there in space, there's just that blank slate for everybody's and uh, everyone's mind uh, for space. So you kind of have a uh, medium where you are on your own. But then uh, going into your next question, I guess we can do uh, uh, introductions of each of us and then, uh, you know, little backgrounds on ourselves and then what uh, we do for the company. So uh, I will start, hand it off to David, and then David will hand that off to Richard. So uh, my name is Zach Zercher. I am the CEO of Gravity and, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, a uh, little background on myself. Um, I've been involved in startups, uh, technology startups since I was 21. And uh, the first startup I had worked on was one in college uh, at IU called Plug. And that was gonna be a social media aggregate where you could have all of your social media feed on a single, uh, on a single homepage. You know, you click on somebody's uh, uh, profile you'd see all their feed well on the home homepage would have you know everyone that you're following you'd have a really cool little uh uh navigation bar to see what you did and did not want to see from the pages but uh what ended up happening was facebook shut down the apis to facebook and instagram uh that we needed for specific data and then Snapchat shut down their API so uh you know we're, we're running into a lot of problems and that uh long story short 
I ended up in contact with an entrepreneur out in Minneapolis named Jason Bright. Jason Bright was the founder of Media Beacon, which was digital asset management. And they, you know, some of the largest companies in the world use for digital asset management. Um, and so he was bought out probably three years prior to me getting in contact with him by uh, Danaher. And um, so, you know, I just, I ended up getting in contact with him at the right time. He completely shredded uh, what we were doing apart. Um, you know, you, you have to go through that at some point and uh, all the way from, you know, uh, our technology, how we repair sites to these companies and they just squash us anyways, to how are you monetizing just to, you know, to every single, uh, you know, possible hole that he could poke. He didn't poke it. He just nuked it. So, um, you know, so, you know, very, very good feedback. But then um, we agreed to start a few different projects out in Minneapolis together. One was called Digital Shelf Relay. The other was Weight Hopper. Digital Shelf Relay was a corporate innovation project for ESCO to improve outdated package approval processes for uh, Fortune 5 companies. Um, and that's actually where I had met Richard, an industry advisory board um, in Chicago for uh, Digital Shelf Relay. Then the other was going to be an app called Weight Hopper. And Weight Hopper was, um, the idea was that if you couldn't get into a restaurant or a reservation, you could buy somebody else's spot. So, um, you know, ticket master of reservations and appointments. So, you know, the idea really was if you're, uh, you know, you have someone in, um, you know, that you need to impress business-wise, you can get on the golf course, you can get in a Ruth's Chris, uh, you know, Final Four, you can get, you know, pay, pay $10,000 to impress your date. Uh, so, you know, that. So uh, anyways, I had exited that in May of 2019, and that's where I got into contact with David over that summer, and then I just saw, you know, just path of least resistance opened up, which just, you know, sounds crazy, but for me, the uh, path of least resistance was space marketing, so that is uh, how I journey to uh, getting here today. Awesome. So David, when I, when I hear CTO of a space marketing company, um, whether good or bad, I imagine a rocket scientist. Can you, can you tell me in a little detail? Is that true or not? <laughs> um, yeah, actually I'm, I'm not a rocket scientist. Um, my, my background is an electrical engineering and computer scientist. Um, I've been a, um, a, a technology entrepreneur for most of my career. Um, and I was a founder in a number of successful IT companies uh, through the last several decades. Um, along about uh, 2012 or so, uh, we had an opportunity to sell the, the last company, which was uh, a network security company called Athena Security. And uh, so after that exit, I found uh, myself with time and opportunity to focus on my real passion, which is space. Um, ever since uh, uh, I was a boy. I've, I'm, I am actually old enough to remember watching uh, Neil Armstrong make the first step onto the moon um, on uh, live television. And since then, I've been very passionate about it. And so um, when the opportunity arose uh, in, the, in the early 2010s, um, I decided it was time to change careers and uh, focus on space. Turns out that was actually a, a really good time to uh, start a, a space uh, to create a space startup. Um, just the market was growing significantly at the time. So I spent uh, several years understanding the, um, 
space industry and then eventually created my company Orbital Transports, which is a space logistics and orbital infrastructure company, uh, currently focused on delivering small satellite missions. And then uh, a couple of years ago, as Zach mentioned, um, he and I met uh, and he posed a question to me, which was, uh, can we put a Coke can in space? Uh, I thought about it for a moment and then realized that the answer was yes, actually we absolutely can put a Coke can in space. And uh, so I think that uh, led to some of the fundamental ideas that resulted in uh, gravity space marketing. Awesome. And, uh, and Richard, finally, uh, last but not least, CMO, you have a, a very interesting background, particularly speaking on Coca-Cola. Can What does that look like? Yeah, Chris. Well, I, I, I guess this is what the, the thing that links all three of us, really. Um, uh, thank you, for, first and foremost, for having us on. You'll, you'll have noticed that I, I'm not from around here. Uh, so I'm, I'm the token Brit on the, uh, on the call today. Um, and I'm, I'm based over in the UK. But uh, I actually met Zach, uh, I think it's about three years ago now, three and a half years ago. Um, my, my background is actually the drinks industry um, and marketing within the, the wine business predominantly. But I, I found myself via various twists and turns um, involved quite heavily in the Share a Coke campaign back in 2014, uh, where my company um, delivered the, the Share a Coke campaign in Europe, uh, which was obviously one of, if, if not the biggest marketing campaigns um, that's ever really happened uh, in terms of personalized engagement with consumers. And, and that's, that's kind of where my background was from. Coca-Cola actually invited me in to come and do that um, uh, campaign, which was, which was a great feather in the cap. And that led to me being invited to a number of events around the world to speak about that. Um, and uh, one of those was at the Ambassador Hotel, Zach, I think, in, in Chicago. Um, and yep. uh, famous for its connections with Al Capone, which was kind of amusing at the time. Uh, and, uh, and it just taught me the lesson that you should be careful. You should know who's in the room, because as it turned out, Zach was in the room when I was uh, waxing lyrical about my connections with that campaign. And, and, and obviously, you know, the, the rest kind of is history. He contacted me a couple of years ago now and said, um, uh, have you got some time? And I'm sort of like, yeah, um, what, what have you got in mind? And he told me what he got in mind. And there's not many times in your life that you can say, somebody goes, I want to send something to space. Are you interested? And you go, mm, yes, I am. So, uh, so that kind of led us to this and, and really to the point where we're at today, which, you know, without going into too much detail is, is largely on the cusp of bringing this to reality. There's really, um, there's this feeling about space that it's always, and, and Richard, you touched on this, that it's sort of constantly in the future. It's something you're reaching towards. But what I think is interesting that there's actually a ton of precedence for space marketing. What has that been? And where does gravity fit into that evolution of brands actually going to space? Yeah, so uh, I can answer that question. So um, space marketing actually started in about 1985. And that was with Coca-Cola and Pepsi. And Coca-Cola and Pepsi had a their own space race. So this was during the infamous Cola Wars. And uh, so basically what these two were trying to do was um, engineer a can that could distribute uh, carbonated beverages into space to the astronauts. So uh, both of these guys ended up putting a Coke can up to the space shuttle Challenger. And, um, you know, Coke was the one who was drank first. So Coke was 
uh, you know, the winner of that campaign. And, um, you know, it's kind of crazy when you look at the numbers uh, for what Pepsi spent. So Pepsi on their R&D spent $14 million on a can in, that, in uh, 1984. And so that's actually $34 million today. So just to get a can up to space, they ended up spending $34 million on that. And, um, but, you know, it's interesting just because um, then after they did go up to space, they really kept that space theme, uh, both Coca-Cola and Pepsi uh, throughout the, uh, you know, 80s all the way up until, you know, to the 2000s, um, you know, even when uh, Coca-Cola in 2014 put more of uh, their space cans up uh, in, uh, into the uh, ISS and they had a commercial where they were drinking the Coke cans at the ISS for the uh, Winter Olympics. Uh, so, you know, there, there's, you know, it was, they really like, not only did they do that, but they kept with it all the way up until, you know, Coca-Cola 2014. Yeah. So it was, so that was pretty interesting, but then there were other ones along the way, such as uh, Pizza Hut. So Pizza Hut um, had a global initiative in 2000 to uh, you know launch their new business initiative. So what better way to launch a new initiative than to launch their low, you know, to launch them up into space? So um, you know the Pizza Hut brand launch was where they put their new logo on the side of a uh, NASA rocket. And, you know, they just launched it up kind of, you know, with the messaging of, you know, we're launched, you know, the new Pizza Hut's launching. Um, so that, you know, and there were also, there were a lot of other ones too, along the way randomly. So I'm just highlighting kind of the, uh, the uh, really the uh, ones that stood out the most. Then obviously Red Bull Stratos. So, uh, you know, I'm sure that uh, everyone listening is familiar with Red Bull Stratos and Felix Baumgartner. But um, yeah, no, it was an interesting stat for Red Bull Stratos was that they actually received 6 billion euros in media value. And that's according to the European Brand Institute. Um, and then it was just, you know, then, uh, you know, as a result of the their, uh, you know, their near space marketing stunt. And not only that, but that increased global sales by 13%. So you're, you know, you're not only seeing the ROI in uh, media attention and impressions, but you are seeing sales increases. Then obviously uh, uh, is the Tesla Roadster. So the Tesla Roadster in space was just probably one of the most, yeah, the most ridiculous things that uh, Elon Musk uh, has done in his career. You know, just one of the coolest, most ridiculous things. And, um, you know, so something cool about that was that it caused Facebook chatter to jump 550% around that topic. And that lasted a week. And uh, they were the number two most live viewed um, uh, uh, video, you know, the number two most live viewed YouTube video uh, in their history behind Red Bull Stratos. So one and two are space marketing campaigns for the most live viewed YouTube uh, uh, videos. So, I mean, it's just, you know, the, 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 the attention from the attention to the actual return on investment is just insane when we're talking about space historically, and, you know, obviously going, uh, you know, into the future with gravity as well. Right. If I, if I can add, if I can add to that, Chris, sorry to, to jump in. Yeah. Uh, the, one, the one thing that, that you'll notice running through all of the, the detail that Zach's just given you there is a, is a running theme that everything that's happened to date has been a stunt. 
Nobody has actually delivered a continuous, integrated, up and down, running marketing campaign. Uh, and that's what we're aiming to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and off of that, have you noticed that um, even though these were stunts, that just technically getting up there, and David, feel free to chime in as well, is there less of a feeling that it's a, a giant leap and that it's something more actionable for brands in 2021? Well, it's certainly something that's more actionable for brands today. Um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the last decade has been a great time for space entrepreneurship. And one of the reasons is because both the cost of uh, getting to space has come down tremendously, thanks to Elon Musk and SpaceX, um, and also the knowledge and experience about how to operate effectively in space has become widely distributed. Um, and so those two things have combined really to enable a much broader base of people to have access to space, whether it's, um, you know, the opportunity for space tourism, which is coming soon, um, or the ability to put a small satellite in space, call it your own, and and basically operate something in space. All of those things are extremely feasible uh, today, whereas in in the past, not so much. Once brands start getting past, there's a, I I had a former guest on, and he talked about uh, metaverse. So as Zach was touching on, but a completely u- ubiquitous virtual reality that there's going to be a fun phase first where people experiment and just play around with the technology. In a sense, that's what's happened with space marketing so far. When it becomes more real and less of a stunt, what's the long-term value play for brands? It's a really good point. And, you know, you could argue that the internet is still only being used to play with. Uh, you know, so as, as, as consumers, we are the first generation where this sort of technology has been uh, available to us and we really don't know what to do with it. Um, you know, and, and, I, and I speak on behalf of David and I, who are at the other end of the, of the, of the, uh, the age metaverse, shall we call it, from Zach. Um, but, but in principle, uh, you're right. Uh, I think the novelty value, which largely is where a lot of the value is, for brands, uh, you know, lest we forget that we're all still standing in our gardens, Chris, looking at the bright light in the sky that happens with the ISS in wonder, uh, you know, so the, the first brand that actually delivers something tangible that is actually being broadcast back to Earth from space and tracked in an Earth observation format, because we shouldn't forget, first and foremost, that one of the things that these campaigns allow for is a brand to be able to observe the Earth from space which is just off the charts in terms of, of, of novelty value. I think actually the long-term goal here will, will be, as David touched on with space tourism, um, you know, largely speaking, you will probably find that the most tangible effect that, happen, that comes from space marketing will be the journey into it rather than the product that can be advertised from it. I suspect that it will start with that because that's the easiest thing to do. He says, easy with a very small E. Um, but, but, you know, the, the principle is the novelty. And, and I made the point about this being a continuous campaign rather than a stunt. What, what we're preparing to do with Gravity is actually give brand a 24-month window within which to run a fully integrated campaign across the globe. Never been done before. So space is so cultural. It has that significance we've all touched on. What type of brands are going to be the first after Coke and after Pizza Hut to tap into that cultural power? Right. So I think it's really going to be a brand who wants to really make the point that, you know, um, 
you know, the situation we're really in, which is, uh, this is called the overview effect. So uh, a brand that's really into environmental sustainability and, uh, you know, social causes. And that is that we are, uh, you know, on this tiny floating speck in an in infinite vat of space. And the only thing protecting us is a very tiny uh, gaseous membrane. So, you know, when you take a, you know, when you, when you, and this is described by astronauts, but when you, when you really see earth in that light, you really kind of wake up and reorient your, uh, uh, you know, your priorities um, where, <clears throat> you know, it, 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 you know, creating more of a global um, uh, viewpoint that, you know, we're, 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 you know, it doesn't matter what part of the rock you're on, we're all in this together. So, um, yeah, so I, I really think it's going to be one that is, it's a brand that really wants to, uh, want not not only get attention to their brand and their product but someone who wants to really put attention on those um important world issues that we all face together so that's that's been a lot of the high level from space i mean it's really an infinite high level that we could speak to but mm -hmm. let's talk now about some of the products that or products and specific services that gravity is actually offering to make all of this a reality. Yeah, absolutely. So um, between different brands and people we have spoken with, we've come up with a few different um, very tangible activations. So um, outside of the powerful brand and marketing messaging that uh, I just talked about using the overview effect, so um, there's something we can do called event flyovers. So that's when we actually put the satellite in what's called a sun synchronous orbit to be able to have our uh, satellites field of view over a specific spot at a specific time every single day. So that would allow us to have um, what we're calling event flyovers. So we can uh, you know, say uh, it's the World Cup or it's the Super Bowl or um, whatever it might be, you can actually do a live broadcasted flyover of that area. So think, you know, almost uh, Goodyear blimp, but from space. So um, that's one of them. Um, <clears throat> we have uh, an idea for, with another brand we're speaking with, for a live global competition through the use of the near real-time Earth observation imagery and orbital pathway. Um, uh, MR overlay of the near real time 360 space imagery. And so what that would kind of do is uh, it would create, I, I'm trying to not get so specific into the activations to possibly give it away. But um, basically that would be able to create almost a, a hangout where you can go walk into this hangout. You would put on mixed reality goggles, uh, most likely Microsoft HoloLens goggles um, from what I have looked into through the different technical documents. And uh, basically you'd walk in there and you would then be kind of emerged, you know, um, you know, you'd be in this immersive environment where it looks like you're in almost this 360 glass um, spaceship, but with what's actually going on in space. So you'll put on these mixed reality goggles or you could do it with this with just VR as well. 
but put on these mixed reality goggles. You'll see your friends, you'll see, you know, whatever's going on in the activation, but you will literally like be in space for, uh, you know, with what's going on in that near real time. And so you'll look down at earth, you'll see earth, you'll look, you know, up forward, you'll see the horizon. You'll look up further, you'll see, uh, you know, everything out there that space is to offer. So that's a, another activation. Another one is we can actually use um, uh, re-entry devices for different activations. So, um, you know, one of them could be, you know, uh, one of those could be, um, <clears throat> th th there's a lot of different ac activations around it, but one of those could be, say, a global auction in space. So you have a, uh, uh, you know, uh, during the, our uh, uh, space marketing campaign, so a brand could put uh, one of their products up in space where there would be a live bidding for though that product so uh, you know kind of like an idea where um the bidding would go towards something more altruistic or as a um a uh you know the uh reward for winning the global competition uh that has been going on so you'll actually get the product that has been in space um, you, you know, different VR games, AR trace apps, NFTs. I mean, it's, it's really, it's really endless what we can do. So it's, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of exciting tangible, uh, activations around space. The reason I'm, the reason I'm smiling, sorry, David, the reason I'm smiling, Chris, is watching Zach navigate through a sea of NDAs, uh, <laughs> for the last five minutes has Absolutely. been the most fun I've had all Impressive. week. <laughs> that was, uh, my, my, my addendum to what Zach said is the way I like to think about it is the sky is no longer the limit. <laughs> That's the, I might as well just, I, I should just end the podcast here. <laughs> just, just, the, mic, the mic has been dropped. We have left the building. I did want to follow up on, and I think you touched on it, that um, in a prior conversation, Zach told me something very short, but very powerful. Space is hard is the brands is the brand's role in space to kind of to bankroll that experience that everybody wants to share in I, I, there there are a couple of different ways to look at that i think um fundamentally what we're putting in space is an earth observation satellite and so you have uh, a continuous stream of earth observation data images of the earth from space um and you know there's there's a, a massive cool factor just in that all by itself um, but then for a brand to sponsor that and associate their brand identity with that coolness, I think is uh, really a very powerful uh, message. So is, is the brand's role to bankroll um, something from space? Uh, sure, in, in some, some way, but that's not really you know, what, what we're emphasizing, right? There's a, there's, a de there's a degree of synonymity as well, Chris, with this, because I mean, it, it's become a noun uh, now that, that, that the blimp is the Goodyear blimp, because it was Goodyear with the first company that put the blimp up and, and did all the event flyovers at the various events around the US um, sports events. Um, so even, I don't even know who the sponsor is now, but it's still the Goodyear blimp. Uh, you know, so I, I think where the opportunity lies, certainly for the first brand to do this, will be that synonymity with uh, you know, it, it will become known as that. We started this project out, by the way, obviously with the Coke can, but this was about having that branded object that of, of whichever particular product um, got there first in screen, in view, whilst viewing the Earth. So whenever you look back at the Earth from space, you were seeing it through the lens of that particular product. That was where we started. That was actually our first um, uh, campaign idea. 
what Zach's just beautifully navigated through um, were, were the subsequent ideas that, that have come as a result of iteration. Uh, and actually, there's, there's very little that can't be done. David constantly tells us we can do anything as long as somebody's got the right amount of money. Um, so, you know, the, the, the great fun thing that we're doing now is talking to different brands and them going, well, what about this? And we go, yeah, we can do that. And, and you know, with it being a, a to and fro in terms of the development of the actual campaign, largely speaking, it's pushing what we're capable of doing beyond what we even thought was possible to start with. Yeah, and, and I do I do want to circle back to um, what uh, you said, Chris, about space is hard. So um, <clears throat> really what I want to, you know, emphasize there is that, yes, space is hard. Yes, there are only a few organizations that do have space capabilities. However, uh, um, that means that when you work with gravity, your brand, your organization has those space capabilities as well. You three are a very lean and uh, fearsome team. I, I guess the Apollo mission sent three people to the moon. So you're following in that tradition. <laughs> there, there were a few thousand people on the ground that, that were supporting. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, we, we, do, we do have um, uh, different partners, uh, people on our advisory board, um, people who... We who are ready to go once this contract gets going as well, include you know on that you know engineering side from uh, uh, David to the marketing side with our partners and uh, you know different uh, people who are interested in this project. Where once it gets the green light, they're on board. So uh, there are um, you know there's it, it's it, you know it's it's lean uh, between the founders, but we actually have a lot of moving parts and a lot of people uh, who are currently involved in this. Sure. And I guess my question was more hinting towards not only are you offering these products and services and the technical end, but the creative advertising approach, mm -hmm. the what people think of for mad men in space. I, I was hoping you could maybe touch on the creative side a bit more. Well, the, the nice thing with that, Chris, is we're, we're not precious um, in terms of the ideas for uh, uh, deploying a campaign uh, in space. You know, the, the, we're, as I said before, we're learning as much by doing um, uh, as anything else. So al although our ideas have grown and consistently um, got bigger, actually, probably in terms of the capabilities, uh, we, we've got a number of customers that we're talking to at the moment, a number of clients that we're in discussions with as I said, that are always almost coming up with their own ideas and, and we can embrace those as well. So there is, you know, Dave, David's absolutely right. The sky is no longer the limit. And, and actually the ideation is no longer the limit uh, as well. There are many things that we could do. And the joy of that is it brings people into the room, more creative people into the room uh, from those brands that have never been given this opportunity before. So yeah, to, to a certain extent, if you ask somebody, what would you do if you, you know, were able to advertise back to the earth from space, they wouldn't know because they never considered it. Um, so we, we decided right at the start of this process to, to be able to have some stock ideas, if you like, to be able to deliver something because that at the very least stimulated the conversation. But ironically, what's happening now is those organizations are coming back to us with probably even better ideas. And so we're building together. And one thing that um, uh, throughout the process that we do with this is that there has to be some kind of connecting point to this. Why are they going to space? So 
one of the things that we do is a brand audit. So we figure out, you know, who that brand is or who that client is uh, from the inside out. So, you know, who they are from their DNA, their values, product they're selling, where they have been in terms of, uh, you know, their business, marketing, messaging, where they currently are and where they're going. So we really make sure that there is the link to the why as well. So, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, we make sure that um, <clears throat> it's not too, you know, it, it's, it's not a stretch and uh, it's definitely not a stretch. It lines up with what they're doing in terms of business development, marketing message, and provide them the opportunity to amplify their brand through and their goals through space. This is a question that just popped into my head between Zach and Richard, what you were just saying, the, the excitement and the creative potential and fitting it into a business case for space. Feels like 2020 and 2021 have been um, not the most hopeful in a lot of industries, but I've noticed that, and maybe this is just anecdotal, but companies like SpaceX or Lockheed Martin with the helicopter that went up on Mars, there's been maybe more focus on space than in prior years. Is that something you picked up on? I, I, I don't know that it was COVID specifically. I mean, from my perspective in the space industry, there's been a, a definitely a continued growth in, in the industry um, and uh, particularly in, in the entrepreneurial space and, and the small satellite industry that, that just continues to be a, a booming uh, in industry. Um, but I think something else that we're seeing uh, and from my perspective as having you know, been watching the space program since the 60s, um, there was a lot of interest in space uh, at the time of the Apollo missions, but that sort of rapidly uh, just dissipated. And there were a couple of decades when space was either seen as old hat or not relevant or, uh, you know, just not, not the exciting thing that it really is. But one of the things that's gratifying to me is that over the past several years, I have seen um, just an amazing uptick in excitement among the people in this generation around space. Um, and I, I find that to be uh, just very, very encouraging because uh, from my, my perspective, I mean, space is the final frontier and we, we will have to go in that direction eventually. And I think the sooner the better. And so how does that, how does that excitement get parlayed into a full integrated campaign where space strategy is put alongside with the same excitement in a marketing plan as Google ads, or uh, if you have a really innovative strategy to, uh, to get attention on Twitter, where does space fit in? I think it, I think it transcends anything that's been done to date. Um, I think what you're talking about, if we go back to the campaigns that we, that Zach mentioned earlier on, which were essentially just stunts, they effectively just went up and came down again. What, what we're proposing is to go up, stay up, and circumnavigate the globe for two years and, and deliver a different marketing campaign every month for two years in all around the world, never been done before. I think anybody that, that, that thinks that is um, a stunt uh, doesn't understand the world of marketing. That's, that's just something that is off the charts in terms of value to the brand. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and well, I mean, and, and speak, uh, Richard did bring up uh, value to the brand. Um, and I, I think uh, Richard, Richard had a really good point about, uh, was it Petrus? Yeah, yeah. That, well, there's a story yeah. I heard literally three hours ago, Chris, on, on the radio. Um, and I, as I said before, I, my background is the drinks industry, the wine business. And, and I heard a story that a, a, an experiment had been done using a case of wine, a case of very expensive wine, Chateau Petrus. Um, for those of you that, that know what that is, that's very expensive Bordeaux red wine. Um, usually retails around about $5,000 per bottle. Um, and they took a case of this up to the ISS to see what effect zero gravity would have on the aging uh, process um, and the maturing process of the, of, the, of the wine. Brought it back down, opened the wine up, tasted it. There had been some maturation, there often is in, in bottle aging. So that wasn't unusual in and of itself. But what was unusual is that that bottle that was trading at $5,000 is now as a result of having been to space and back trading at three quarters of a million dollars. So if anybody is wondering what the journey to and from space adds in terms of value, there's a fair indication. Hey Richard, you touch on something technical there that there's gonna be a lot of challenges in space, whether it's bringing products up or uh, hosting people for a long time. You know, if someone wants, the difficulty would be, you know, if you love a happy meal from McDonald's, the logistics of getting that up there to, uh, to fight some of the um, the challenges of being in space, but that makes me think, David, as as space marketing demands increase, what are some of the supporting technologies that need to grow at pace with it? I, I think uh, the the most fundamental technology is launch, uh, the ability to get into space, uh, and one of the reasons why we can do this now is because the cost of getting into space has come down. Um, it used to cost a million dollars, and don't quote me on that, but order of magnitude, a million dollars per pound to put it in space. Um, and that has now come down to um, somewhere in the range of $5,000 a pound. Uh, so putting mass into space has become much less expensive and that opens up uh, tr just tremendous possibilities. Uh, the technologies that have to develop will be to bring that cost of getting things into space uh, and bring it down. So when it costs a few dollars to put a pound of mass into space, uh, again, you know, now you have a, a whole new order of magnitude of things that become even more possible. So those are the fundamental technologies. Um, everything else supports that. So then you're talking about uh, the spacecraft itself in orbit. Um, miniaturization has driven a lot of uh, capabilities that will continue to drive capabilities. Um, and uh, the growth of uh, satellite communications, for example, the ability to communicate to your own satellite from the ground, wherever it is, um, or to get data back from that satellite, uh, those, those things will all drive um, the, these capabilities. One of the questions that we get asked quite a lot, Chris, is, is, is with the propensity to be able to, uh, to, to put a satellite in space, why can't brands just hitch a ride on, on something that's already going? And, and, and of course they can. They aren't, the downside of that is they're no longer driving the bus. Um, so what, what we're talking about is a specific delivered targeted campaign at any given point on the globe. Um, that can't happen if somebody else is driving. Uh, so what we're giving them is control of the direction and the timing and the delivery of basically the most unique opportunity that, that has happened, certainly as far as we're aware, ever. Um, so uh, that, that's the difference. You, you get what you pay for in life. And if you want to drive the bus, you've got to own the bus. 
And and to that point, the, the bus is becoming more affordable. To kind of wrap up this conversation, we've gone everywhere from the history of space marketing, we've gone into the products, the specific technical services you have. I want to take this last part. Uh, I wrap up every episode by doing a futurism exercise where I ask my guests, 15 years down the line, what does your industry look like? So we kind of missed the boat on 2001 Space Odyssey. We don't have Hilton in space yet, but it would be 2036. What do brands in space look like and what can they do? So let's go, let's go down the line here. Let's start with Zach. Are you talking in terms of just marketing or just in space industry in general? Because, you know, you can have, uh, you know, 3D printed organs in space getting shot down sure. to uh, hospitals in need. So, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a pretty loaded question. Yeah, let's, uh, I appreciate that. Let's narrow it down. Let's say you are, you are a Fortune 100 brand and you want to do something spectacular in space in 2036. What do you have to do to stand out? Um, I think really you have to have something that's of, um, uh, you know, not you know, some, something, something that you can bring back from space, something, you know, in space manufacturing. So, you know, uh, as, I, as I had mentioned, the uh, 3D printed organ. So you can't really 3D print uh, organs well on Earth um, because of gravity. So if you're in a zero gravity environment, then um, you uh, you can actually these uh, everything layers correctly. So one of the things we're going to see in the future are organs being printed in space manufacturing facilities and brought back down, uh, you know, almost on demand to areas that need it. So um, so it's anywhere from like actually bringing things back down to space to um, uh, uh, the supporting technologies that um, will be required to make that happen. And let me just elaborate on that a little bit. Zach mentioned uh, manufacturing in space. One of the challenges to doing that today is the cost of up mass, how, how much uh, it costs to put a kilogram into, into space. Um, but by 2036, we will start to see the development of the space resources economy. Um, and, and that actually will probably begin to see that later this decade with uh, some of the expeditions that are going back to the moon. They will start to extract resources from the moon, first being water, but there will be other things as well. So then you're talking about uh, resources that came from space, so we didn't have to launch them into orbit, uh, being used to do space manufacturing. And so uh, there are certainly any number of things that benefit by being uh, manufactured in the zero gravity environment. But just the fact that something was manufactured from raw materials that came from space and then sent back down to the ground, I think will um, provide a huge value to brands at that time. What will brands need to do in order to get attention? It'll be on, on the edge of what space exploration is happening. So um, as SpaceX sends a, um, a spacecraft to Mars, um, I can imagine the brands will be hitching a ride along that and will be broadcasting back from Mars. On the edge of that, maybe um, uh, an asteroid mining spacecraft into the asteroid belt. So. I, again, the, the possibilities here are just endless. Richard, before before you dive into your full answer, can I ask you a UK, UK expert question? Will those SpaceX astronauts who go to Mars have 
branded uniforms like the UK soccer teams on their chests? Ah. Uh, undou- undoubtedly, uh, I think, largely speaking, uh, Chris, that once once brands realise that there's some marketability from visibility um, in that environment, then yeah, absolutely, you're going to see the picture of those three astronauts sitting there with, you know, the, the, somebody's name on the helmet, somebody's on this. It'd be like a Formula One driver, you know, where every single bit of them they're a walking billboard essentially. Um, but um, uh, and if I may, just to to to, to finish. The question, um, and from a British perspective, I'll be I'll be awkward and answer it differently because that's what we do over here. Um, <laughs> I'm going to look at this from a different perspective. Um, and you mentioned Fortune 100 brands. Most sectors uh, in in any shape or form have a, have a one and two competing brands. Um, you know, it's, there's a there's a long history: Nike, Adidas, and Coke and Pepsi, and McDonald's and Burger King and what have you. So we recognize uh, largely as members of the public that the number one and the number two brands control the market. So what I expect to see in 2036 is a different makeup of the Fortune 100, um, which will be the number three and the number four brands that some of us are unaware of at the moment that have actually made the investment in space marketing and leapt above their rivals while their rivals were napping. Uh, And I think this, this is the opportunity for me for a challenger brand no, it's not. It's you know, largely a lot of the brands that we're talking to, Chris, aren't the number one and the number two because they don't see the need. So if you get to a point where you don't see the need to do something clever, you've already lost. Um, and it's just a question of time before the number three or the number four, or even the guy that hasn't even invented the brand yet. Look at look at the last ten years and look at the the, the Fortune 100. Um, some of those challenger brands haven't even made it anywhere near that yet. I expect in 15 years' time that that Fortune 100 will look very different and will contain some brands that have taken the risk, come and work with gravity and gone up where the sky is no longer the limit. I love that. You guys, I, I mean, I know I said it right before we hit record, but I'm, I was totally fired up coming into this conversation and I, you know, I think I'm on rocket fuel right now. I took, uh, <laughs> I had like a, a I had a relaxing tea to try and keep myself calm, but I don't know if that'll work. I, again, I just want to thank you guys for coming on here. It is a very small group of people who are doing the hard work to put our brands in space. And you guys are three of them. So on on behalf of people who love brands and who love marketing, I want to thank you. Is there anything you guys want to say before we sign off? Just a, just a thank you from me, Chris. Thanks for having <laughs> us on. It's, it's nice to be able to sit here. It's late at night here in the UK for me, um, but it's nice to be able to sit here and just chat so openly and so freely about really a, a world's first possibility. Um, that does, you know, I'm pretty sure that doesn't happen very often in most people's lifetimes. So we're very fortunate to be in the position to be able to even have this conversation and really appreciate you taking the time. I am up. Uh, Dave Portnoy, if you're listening to this, you're always saying, pen to the moon, barstool to the moon. Now's your chance. Let's take you to the moon. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Let's go to the moon. Um, So to my audience, uh, I want to thank you for tuning in for this conversation. And I want to remind you to go through my catalog of episodes with visionaries and marketers with, uh, with a great idea of where this industry is going And I can't promise you that we'll go as far as space in the next episode, but we will certainly carry this conversation forward. Thank you.